2: I'm Piers Morgan on Censored. Tonight, Rishi Sunak in pole position to become the next Prime Minister. But can Penny pinch it with the Mordant March? Tonight, we'll talk to an actual Cabinet Minister who's finally grown the balls to come on. He will announce who he is backing. But is it a he or a she? We'll find out later. It's the story that's outraged the world. A 10-year-old American girl raped by an illegal immigrant and impregnated who was forced to cross state lines to have an illegal abortion. It's divided even pro-life campaigners, and two of them go head-to-head tonight. And is faith itself in crisis? The Reverend Franklin Graham, one of the most controversial pastors in America, is here in the UK on a tour, and he'll be here live on Piers Morgan Uncensored to talk about the collapse in religion. Good evening, I'm Piers Morgan, uncensored. First tonight, the race to replace Boris Johnson as Prime Minister. Attorney General Suella Braverman is out, five candidates remain. And Talk TV political editor Kate McCann, who definitely is remaining, as far as I'm aware, joins me now live from Westminster. Kate, okay, good evening.
3: Good evening, Piers.
2: You're not out, right? You're staying.
3: I'm staying. I live here
2: now. I stay here all the time. So, look, uh, some developments in the last few minutes. Suella Braverman, who's out of the race, big question marks about where she may uh, attach her support, and it's been breaking... I think some naughty rivals have broken an embargo, which suggests that she's going to put her support behind Liz Truss, which, if that's true, is good news for Liz Truss.
3: Yes, that's right. Suella Braverman is going to throw her support behind Liz Truss. And exactly as you say, that is a huge deal for Liz Truss, a really big moment in this campaign. We've been saying for the last couple of days that things can turn on a sixpence and they can really change when you least expect them to. And the big question after Suella left the contest this afternoon was where her votes were going to go. So her declaring Liz Truss, who came in third place behind, Ken, uh, behind I was going to say Kemi Badenoch then, um, behind Penny Mordaunt. Now that is a big moment, because although Liz Truss did put on 14 votes in this round of voting, the gap between her and Penny Mordaunt actually grew, so she did have ground to make up. Now it's important to say that Suella Breverman doesn't take all of her votes necessarily with her automatically. She does have a chunk, but some of those may choose to put their support behind another candidate, but this is an important signal. It says, my Trust and my faith is in Liz Trust, and if you backed me, then you should do the same thing. The question is, over the next couple of days, whether people will or not.
2: Now, uh, Penny Morden has been putting tweets out, very kind of, you know, out there, celebratory, probably a little prematurely, about the Mordaunt march and all this kind of stuff. Um, is she going to regret, do you think, being quite so euphoric quite so soon?
3: Well, I think her campaign will be calculating that the most important thing Penny Mordaunt can do right now is to seize the momentum that she's gathered. I mean, she was on the front page of almost every single national newspaper this morning on the morning that Liz Truss launched her campaign. And remember, Liz Truss came into today knowing that she had to make up some ground because she was in third place, and only two of these contenders will go through to the final round. Now, there are big questions. This is still an open field. Kerry Badnock, for example, still doing fairly well in this race, and Rishi Sunak, although he's over that magic 100 today in this round of the leadership contest, that doesn't mean he's safe either. There are some concerns about whether his campaign is too safe, maybe even a little bit boring. So those votes, when they go out of the contest those candidates, where those votes split and divide, that can make a huge difference in just a couple of hours to the to the likelihood of any of the others going forward. But we're going to see voting rounds piers into next week and potentially we found out on Wednesday we find out on Wednesday who those two
2: going forward, Al. Well, we do. Very exciting news now, because as you were talking, uh, an actual live Cabinet Minister arrived in my studio. This is unprecedented. (laughs) Welcome, Robert Buckland, the World Secretary. You are actually the first uh, member of the Cabinet to be on this show live in the studio.
4: Well, I'm delighted
2: delighted to have that privilege. So thank you. So thank you to Kate McCann. Um, Robert, good to see you. Uh, you. I want to start with you, then I want to move to what may be a more significant, and I mean that in a a patronising manner, who you may be endorsing to be leader uh, in a minute. But let's start with you, first of all. So I'm curious about the chain of events which led to you becoming World Secretary. Yeah. Because I was listening to, I think, LBC uh, last week when you were um, emphatic that Boris Johnson had to go. It was all over. In fact, your letter letter saying all this said that the office of Prime Minister depends on several factors, integrity, honesty and straightforwardness. And if those attributes are no longer clear or operable, I'm afraid the person in office has to go. So on that basis, I think the time is for the Prime Minister to step down when you seek an alternative as fast as possible. So mm. he does go. And then five hours later, you accept a job from the same bloke, Boris Johnson, to become World Secretary. I'm confused. Why, if he no longer has integrity, honesty and
4: straightforwardness would you even contemplate wanting to work for him? Well, Piers, it's not a confusion, because on the day before he resigned, I spoke to the chief whip and said, do not ask me to serve in a government led by Boris Johnson unless he indicates that he's going to resign. He then did that the next morning. But he hasn't gone. The point is this. There needs to be a government in the interim. The government will not be able to initiate new policies. He's not going to be able to run away with deciding big new changes. And me, together with people like Greg Clark and other former cabinet ministers, have come back on the specific understanding that this is a caretaker... But he remains...
2: As far as I'm aware, he's only quit as Tory leader. He's remaining the prime minister with all the executive powers of that office. Mm. None of those powers have been removed. He's He's still your boss,
4: right? Yeah, well, well yes, and, and, and the boss is actually the electorate and the country and the people we serve. And I, think I get that it, but we well,
2: I'm, I'm just curious why you, a former Justice Secretary, no less, who was removed by Boris Johnson before, so yeah. he have got no truck to be supportive of him, but the, the fact that you could, within a few hours of saying he, you'd lost confidence in his ability to have integrity, honesty and straightforwardness, it does seem a bit perverse that literally a well, few hours later... He rings you up you
4: say, of course, I'll start now. Well... Do you understand uh, why people well, might find it d- a bit... I do, and I have to say the majority of people I've spoken to have said, look, you've done the right thing. It's not about Boris Johnson and his character or confidence that was settled by his decision the right decision to resign it's now why about is he the why future. is he still there well because well, why hasn't he actually gone well, as john I mean, major just
2: said you, he should, you could
4: gone. have had a caretaker prime minister you'd have to have sworn somebody else in as prime minister so th- that that person but well, what's wrong with doing that the, the que- well a lot it, of people it, i speak to are completely
2: baffled by somebody who lost the support of almost his entire cabinet with all these letters and all these statements trashing his integrity, honesty and so on, that he remains the Prime
4: Minister for a day longer than he should have done. But we don't, in our system of government, have a sort of interim Prime Minister post. Well, Piers, actually, it would be unduly confusing. We'd have another person in there. Would that person say they would run in the leadership contest? Would they perhaps undertake not to run? You know, those... Questions, I think, are not worth asking. We know that Boris Johnson's day is done. It's now a question of getting an orderly transition, making sure the government runs because... What
2: if he tells you to do something you don't agree with?
4: Well, I'll resign. What, Uh, really? Yeah. Look, I'm here on the strict understanding that this government now is not in the business of introducing new policies. They've got loads of things to be going on with. that in itself... Look, on that in itself, is weird to me. We have a government
2: which we've elected to carry out the national interest. And what you're telling me is for the next two months, it will be paralysed. You've basically gone into a government which can't do anything. What's the
4: the point? I'm not saying that. And
2: what am I I paying my
4: taxpayer
2: cash for? I'm not saying that at all. Well, you're basically implying we can't do anything interesting at all as government because we've got this this
4: lame-duck bloke in charge. And until he's gone, you can't do anything. But there's plenty of things that have already been announced that we we can crack on with. The levelling up agenda, for example. Loads of things to be doing in terms of making that a reality. Whether it's uh, that policy or it's the whole range of different announcements and policies, that were made when he, what before his resignation. We've got plenty to All be right. getting.
2: Look, I think it's ridiculous he's still in charge. Um, but let's move on to who may be the next person in charge. You are going to break some news, I'm led to believe, about who you, as a member of the, the Cabinet at the moment, Boris Johnson's Cabinet, as we've just discussed...
4: Who are you going to be supporting? Well, I chaired the Hustings today, the One Nation Hustings of MPs, listening to each of the candidates, and I was in the chair to listen to each one of their presentations. I've got to say, it's a strong field. It's great to see such a diverse field, so many women and people from minority ethnic backgrounds. I've decided that in light of the particular challenges that this country's facing, the economic challenges, that the best person to lead this country is Rishi Sunak. I've decided that on the basis of what I've seen him do and how I've worked with him round that Cabinet table for a number of years. And I think it's the time now for experience, for good sense and good judgement to prevail, which is why I think he edges it for me.
2: I think he's impressive, Rishi. I've said that for quite a long time. I think he's also been Chancellor through probably the most difficult period imaginable and has done a pretty competent job. So, you know, But, unfortunately, it's not down to me. And actually, in the end, it won't be down to you, it'll be down to the the membership of the party. And there were some pretty worrying numbers that came out this week about Rishi's lack of popularity with Conservative members, Mm. who ultimately will decide who wins this. Mm. But a surging support for Penny Morden. Were you surprised by that? And what can Rishi Sunak do... Given that you're
4: supporting him to turn that round, well, I think I think Penny obviously has the attraction of being a figure who uh, uh, perhaps is not that well known to many people, and is is somebody who I know well and respect hugely. And I think. Do you uh, agree with
2: Laura Frost's comments
4: that she wasn't a
2: master of detail? Well, she I'm... wouldn't always deliver tough messages to the EU. She wasn't fully accountable. She wasn't always visible. Sometimes I didn't even know where mm. she was. I mean, that was damning stuff to me.
4: Well, I mean, David will have to speak for himself. Do right? agree you agree know, with him? I, 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 I don't. I, you know, I, I think this should be a campaign about positive uh, arguments rather than knocking opponents. Come and I'm it. here... Come to talk...
2: it. well, Pierce, no. It's not. We're now in the stage well, of this campaign where, honestly, let's be, let's, be, let's be frank with each other. We're now at the stage of this race where it's utterly ruthless and actually what happens is, as much dirt as possible gets well, flung around to take down all
4: the opponents, right? I mean, that's how it works. Why does it have to be? like I don't know. That? You well, well, tell let's, me. All the guys not, doing it. Let's, I'm not at all. I you a personally. But, I mean,
2: it's the it's the MP's way, isn't it? In you know, a leadership well, contest, let's let's all bets look. off out come the knives,
4: in you go. uh, Look, that's not the way it has to be, and it's certainly not the way I would want to conduct myself. And I'm here to talk positively about what I see Rishi's qualities are. I see integrity, I see directness, I see straightforwardness about the economy, not trying to, you know, tell tales about, oh, I'm going to, you know, sort everything out and give you big Mm. tax cuts now. That's not the Conservative way. The Conservative way, as Margaret Thatcher and Geoffrey Howe and Nigel Lawson did, is to fight inflation, because it is inflation that destroys savings, destroys incomes, destroys people's livelihoods. The
2: problem you're going to have, it seems to me,
4: with the membership on that, is that the others are all
2: basically saying, we're going to cut taxes. And people want to hear that right now. So you're dealing with human nature, which is, even though Rishi Sunak may be completely correct in the way he's viewing the current situation, which is, you don't want to steam up the inflation even Mm, more with tax cuts, which you can't afford, and no one's really showing us evidence of how they can find the money... Um, But he's got to somehow persuade people that prudence,
4: and maybe even paying a bit more tax, is a better winning ticket. It's not easy. Well, look, I think I I trust the good sense of Conservative Party members. You know, I've been a member for a very long time, and I know... Conservative Party, and I think the party in the country has very good judgment about these things. They will remember what we did to achieve that reputation for sound money and balancing the books. Will, the laws, okay, that's at the heart of what yeah, it Yeah, I be don't a disagree with you, but here's what they're
2: also going to remember. What's interesting to me about the final five is that three of them have had nothing to do with this government in terms of any executive office, mm. which means they can hold their hands up and go, Look, it wasn't me, Gov. I'm a fresh start. And actually, I think the fact that three of the last five are people from outside is indicative of a public appetite for change to somebody who isn't tainted, perhaps, by the Boris Johnson, well, two and a half years.
4: Well, one, uh, Tom Tugendhat, hasn't served in government at all, but all the others are or have served in government and some at the very highest level. So I don't think... But it's not at cabinet level under Boris, right? Well, uh, Liz Truss certainly did. And, well, Liz uh, Truss
2: did and, and Rishi did, but that's my point. Is yeah, the other three, other three have a more credible, we're fresh starters, Right.
4: Well, look, I think it's an appealing uh, campaign pledge, but this isn't just about the leadership of the Conservative Party. It's about being Prime Minister of Britain. And, you know, I think having that executive experience, that, that those hard yards, you know, the, the work that you have to do in government that I've seen at close quarters is absolutely essential if we're going to tackle the biggest economic challenge we face for a generation.
2: You were Justice Secretary, as I mentioned earlier. Rishi Sunak got a, a fine by the police for breaking lockdown rules set by the building he worked in. Does that qualify him to be Prime Minister? Does that make him the honest, straightforward future
4: if he's been caught by the police, breaking the law? Well, I think his behaviour when the police issued that notice was to accept it and to accept that, he, like everybody else, he's not above the law. It was that birthday Does it make party. him fit to be Prime Minister? Well, I, I think it doesn't affect his fitness to be Prime Minister at all. I think the The Prime Minister could well break known. the law,
2: in your eyes, as a former Justice Secretary, and that's fine.
4: Well, look, a, 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 a fine was handed down. He accepted it. He didn't seek to argue or dispute it. I think that shows actually respect for the law. And what I want to see is a Prime Minister who does respect the rule of law, which means equality for all of us be, be, uh, 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 be, be before the law. And the work that I did with him on justice issues, and I, I negotiated a good package to, to create the biggest prison building programme in this country since the Victorian time. Well, I want to talk about. I negotiated about... increases in funding. Okay, for, I want to talk about one specific system. thing, if
2: I may, about uh, the legal system. Is that Suella Braverman apparently is coming out for Liz Truss? To, mm. uh, tonight, having fallen out of the race. And apparently one of the criteria she made for gaining her support was uh, a commitment to leaving the ECHR, the European Convention of Human Rights. Wow. Um, and that apparently is, may have been the deal she did with Liz Truss. In other words, Liz Truss wants to do that too. Is it right to have a Prime Minister who wants to leave the European Convention
4: of Human Rights? And would you have supported Rishi Sunak if he shared that view? No, uh, I've made it very clear that I think withdrawing the, from the convention is a very extreme measure to take. You know, Russia and Belarus are the only other EU uh, European countries not part of that convention. It was British conservative lawyers who wrote it. You know, the problem, peers, is, isn't with our membership of the convention; it's the way in which it's interpreted. Sometimes, in a few cases, that cause us some headaches. What you do is instead reform it at a European level and work to uh, improve the system before pressing that sort of nuclear button and leaving the convention. I'm hearing the other candidates make that reason case. I'm surprised that that should be uh, the situation. I very much hope that uh, it isn't the case. Liz has been a very responsible Foreign Secretary, working very hard and being a great ambassador. Did Rishi the give you I'd a... be surprised okay. if that was did, the case. Did,
2: did Rishi give you an undertaking he would not want? To do that, um, and did you make that a condition of you supporting him?
4: Well, Rishi and I have talked about the issue. I'm satisfied that he only sees that as a last resort. In other well, words, that's not a no. he'd want to reform and seek change within it rather than going immediately for the exit. That's what for they used to say about door. the
2: European Union, I and mean, we all know how that ended. So, that doesn't sound like an absolute well, no. What I'd so say are you leaving the door open for a Rishi Sunak? Uh, premiership to actually take this country out of the well,
4: ECHR? I, I don't believe so. And importantly, of course, at the last Did election... You use a
2: bit more firm language.
4: Well, at the last election... You're sounding like we, a lawyer. No, Piers, I don't think it's going to happen. It wasn't a manifesto pledge at the last election. You know, these are big-ticket issues. You need to go to the country and ask the people of this country for, for a view as to whether or not they want a government... that Can we trust Rishi platform? Can we trust him? Absolutely, yes. I think he's straightforward. I've done... Big, big negotiations with him on public spending. You know the character of somebody when you are sitting or or, or on the phone to them negotiating big figures. And I felt that I had somebody straightforward, a decent negotiating partner, and we negotiated very, very fiercely right up to the last minute, but it was a very fair and proper... He's got a lot to do, though, hasn't he, to win this? I think he's got a lot to do. He's not where he'd want to be. He knows that he's got a lot to do, but I think he's got the uh, ability, the charisma, the intellectual firepower and the experience... Has he got the really guts to do what you've discomfort.
2: done and come on the
4: show? Well, uh, he's hearing you now, I'm sure. I'll take the message back and uh, let's see what happens. If I'll do my best. If you're
2: watching Mr Sunak, you have given me a personal pledge to come on the show. If Mr Buckland has got the co-honey's to do it, I think you should. So I look forward to seeing you, Rishi, before too long. Thank you for coming in. Thank you, I Piers. do appreciate it. You're the first Cabinet Minister in this studio, and it's appreciated. Thank you, Piers. Thank you very much. After the break, the fallout from the US Supreme Court's decision on abortion rights. A 10-year-old rape victim in Ohio who was forced to cross state lines to Indiana to have a legal abortion. Discussing that with Tom Lahren and Ben Ferguson, who actually disagree about one of these issues after the break. Welcome back to Piers Morgan on the U.S. Supreme Court's decision to strike down Roe versus Wade, removing a woman's constitutional right to abortion, entrenched familiar divisions in a bitter debate. But one tragic story has stood out as an example of the grim new reality. A 10-year-old rape victim in Ohio forced to cross state lines to Indiana to have a legal abortion. Even President Biden expressed his horror.
4: Ten years old, raped, six weeks pregnant already traumatised, was forced to travel to another state. Imagine being that little girl. Just, I'm serious, just imagine being that little girl. Ten years old.
2: Well, anger about this case has only intensified as this has been revealed that the alleged rapist is an illegal immigrant, 27-year-old Gershon Fuentes, a Guatemalan national who appeared in court yesterday. Well, I'm joined now by Fox contributor and host of Tommy Lahren is Fearless uh, on Outkick. Who else? Tommy Lahren. And conservative radio host... Ben Ferguson, welcome to both of you. Uh, Tommy, uh, an absolutely horrible case in every possible way, not least, in fact, the fact that parts of the media tried to rubbish the story, only to then discover it was, in fact, completely true. But let's put that to one side and focus on the issues here. A 10-year-old girl impregnated by an illegal immigrant is in itself uh, absolutely shocking, but the fact that she was not able to have a legal abortion in her own state and had to cross state lines to do so. Seems to me completely outrageous. What is your view?
5: You know, I agree with you, and I understand the outrage on the left and even from some in the conservative community, because this is why there needs to be exceptions for instances like this. Now, I believe in that old adage of safe, legal, rare, and restricted on abortions. But what happened to this little girl is, like I said, the perfect example of why we knew we do need to have reasonable exceptions for cases like this. If you start outlawing abortion, you're not going to stop abortion. You're just going to stop safe abortion. And if everybody cares about the mothers in these situations, the babies in the situations, they'll understand that exceptions need to be made. And this case is horrific. It should have never happened. It was done at the hands of an illegal immigrant. So we can discuss that further. But that's why I am somebody who is not pro-abortion, but I'm pro-choice in this instance.
2: I mean, Ben Ferguson, the fact it turned out to be an illegal immigrant is a kind of sideshow issue to me. It's an important one. But it doesn't change the fact that that if this 10-year-old girl had been raped by anybody... It's an appalling, shocking story, and if she was then made pregnant by that rapist, I just can't in any good conscience see why anyone would want to force that child, and I have a 10-year-old daughter, uh, that child to have that rapist's baby. What is your view?
1: Well, I I think there's two tragedies here. One, uh, what happened to her, and two, the way that this story is being exploited by people that don't know what the law actually says and everyone is getting it wrong, and if you just look at the attorney general of the state where this happened, he made it very clear. There is an exception, and she did not have to go across state lines. His exact words were, she did not have to leave Ohio to find treatment. Despite the claims by the president, the Ohio Attorney General Yost said that Ohio has a limited abortion across the state, that's a fact. However, quote, the law allows for medical emergencies." which include cases like this 10-year-old girl who was raped. So what makes me angry at this point is the fact that the president of the United States of America didn't even check what the law says. The left, who's trying to use this tragedy, this horrific event of a 10-year-old for political gain, doesn't know what the law says. And we're putting out misinformation that if you are in Ohio, that you must cross state lines, which you do not. Well, I guess it comes down happens. to, okay, it comes and down to a definition.
2: Disgusting. All right. It obviously comes down to how you would define a medical emergency. Uh, do you think in principle... This, what, this is part of the definition. Okay, well, I think it's an arguable point from what I've read today. So let me ask you, though, personally, do you believe that this girl should have been forced to have that baby?
1: I don't think she should be forced. What I think is, is you have to talk to those who medically understand, can she carry this baby safely? Are there issues with the life of the mother? I don't claim to know that. But what I do know is, I think we should value the life of the unborn as much as we value the life of any living person outside the womb. I believe that there should be an exception, which they have in Ohio, which the attorney general who would be the one that would prosecute these crimes if there was a crime committed, says she had the ability to get the treatment she needed in this state, and everyone's lying, and that's the head of law enforcement there that would press charges against any doctor if they, if they messed up. He's saying that in the life of the mother... Which this could very well be the case. I'm not the doctor in the room, that she could have had a legal abortion, in Ohio. So all they're doing is taking advantage of this horrific story and then parading this story out there, not knowing what the law says, and that is disgusting all right, that so, people. But just are doing to
2: clarify, this. then you do believe in an exception for rape, then for abortion.
1: I, I, I believe for the life of the mother. Well, there's okay? no, yeah, but there's no suggestion. And go, we, we don't and know. I want to be clear.
2: So, I, if, there was no, if there was no danger I, to the child's life and they said it wasn't a medical emergency and she could have the baby, you would say in that circumstance she should have the baby?
1: I believe that you should protect the ten-year-old as much as you should protect the unborn yeah, child. You're sitting very and I unusually for you, Ben. Innocent, you're sitting but,
2: on the fence, right? Because it's a very straightforward thing. No, I'm not sitting on the fence. Believe, I'm, I'm, I, I do clear. not believe. Well, I do not believe. I tell you, what I, tell you what I think. I do not believe any ten-year-old girl anywhere in the world should be forced to carry a rapist baby. End. And I'm surprised if you don't share that view.
1: I, I don't share that view because then the question becomes do we constantly then move the stick where is it 14 or 18 or 20 and when does the child, the She's unborn 10, child ben. actually have the right to She's live? She's 10 years well, old. Well, okay, and I'll ask you that. Then let, me, then let me ask this question. At what age, with rape or incest, do you believe, peers, that then the baby's life should in fact matter? Tell me what that age is.
2: Well, if I ask... Let me flip that question around. Let me ask you... What do you, would you want this guy who did this to be executed?
1: I, I am a firm believer that it, those that take away the life of somebody should be killed and should have life in prison. If rape like this of a child, I believe they should have no chance of parole. I believe you should stay in prison for the rest of his life.
2: But you wouldn't take his. You wouldn't execute
1: him. I would not execute him, but oddly enough, our law says that if he would have killed somebody, he could have been charged with double murder if the unborn child would have been killed, which I think is uh, is totally insane that okay. if you kill me- a child, then you get charged with murder, but if Pierce. you go and abort a child, we should celebrate you.
2: Let me bring Tommy back. Pierce. Tommy, you know, I know this is a really... Abortion generally, it's an incredibly controversial issue in America, far more polarising than it is for example, here in the UK, where the law is settled and we just don't have this kind of intensity on both sides of the debate. And I'm respectful of both sides of this debate. But I've got to say, when I hear Ben say that, you know, he thinks a 10-year-old girl who's been raped and made pregnant should have that baby unless there's some medical emergency, I, I cannot subscribe to that kind of mindset about this issue.
5: Yeah, and Ben is allowed to his personal and his religious beliefs, and I certainly respect that. I'm somebody who is personally pro-life. But I would also ask Ben, does he think that a government mandate preventing somebody who is raped, someone who's a victim of incest, does does he believe that a government mandate is going to stop that person from getting an abortion? And the answer is no. They're going to have to travel to another state, or they're going to do it in unsafe ways. And that puts not only the woman in danger, but it puts the unborn child in danger. It's a bad situation. To look at this through the lens of religion is the wrong way to look at it. You can have a personal conviction, and I believe in that. So I want to make that clear. But we have to look at government as if it solves a problem. And looking at a 10-year-old girl or a 15-year-old girl or a 25-year-old woman who was raped, who was a victim of incest, and looking at them in the same way as a murderer is not the same thing. These people are often in these situations not because they want to be, not because they look at abortion as birth control, but because they are in a situation that is horrific. And it should be up to religious members of the community to instead wrap their arms around these individuals instead of calling them baby killers and comparing them to somebody like this illegal immigrant who was a rapist or somebody who does, in fact, murder someone well, senselessly and in cold blood. Okay, I haven't it's done not that. the same instance. Okay, and, 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 and,
1: I'll, I'll, let me say this, Lord. T- Tell me. First of all, I said earlier I think it's disgusting how people are now using this story to push a political agenda. So I think you should know where I stand on this. I, I have nothing but compassion for her, but I also have seen the other side of this. I have a dear friend of mine that was born, who was given up for adoption who was a product, as he described it, of rape. And his mother decided to have that child. His life matters. And I believe that saying that his life doesn't matter is wrong. Now, okay. I personally do not want to separate my convictions from my public comments. I have a firm belief that right. every ben, child's life matters and an innocent it. life should not be ever taken.
2: Ben, you both had a good chance to put your aside. I think it's a really interesting debate, and I appreciate you both joining me. Thank you very much. We actually have... Somebody perfect ready to comment on this. We have Franklin Graham waiting in the wings to come on and talk about it. So thank you to Tommy and Ben. A God we trust? Well, not anymore, apparently. Not in the same numbers we used to. Faith in religion is in consistent decline in many parts of the world. So how to keep the faith? Controversial evangelist uh, Franklin Graham will be here, and I suspect he'll be very uncensored. That's next. Well, welcome back. I was raised a Catholic. I believe in God. I even say the odd Hail Mary, but I'm bucking a trend. According to a new poll, 81% of Americans believe in God, but that's the lowest it's ever been in the US. In Australia, it's now less than half, 48%. In the UK, less than a third. So they believe in any God at all. Well, at the moment, I was speaking to Franklin Graham, one of America's most controversial evangelists. He's the son of famous preacher Billy Graham, who is one of the most important Christian leaders of the 20th century. He was a pastor to presidents and met them all, from Truman to Trump. Well, Franklin's continuing his father's legacy, spreading the word right the way to the White House, but he's also been heavily criticised for controversial views on subjects like homosexuality, and Franklin Graham joins me now. Good to see you, Franklin.
0: Good to see you, Peter. You're here
2: on a UK tour. You're playing at the... Well, playing, I sound like a rock star. You're playing at the XL in London on Saturday. So, obviously, a lot of support for you when you do these big events. Before we get into what I am going to talk to you about, your reaction, just quickly, to this story of the 10-year-old girl who had to cross state lines to have a legal abortion?
0: Uh, it, it's sad, uh, it appears. My, my heart goes out to the family and to this young girl that have to make this decision. It's not a question of whether she has to go across state lines or down the street like going to a barbershop. Uh, the question is, is, this decision of um, having an abortion is a very difficult decision. And so... And I understand the family and I understand... Uh, they're they're wanting to have an abortion I understand that and if it was my daughter uh if this would be a very tough decision so i just prayed that uh, god would you guide if it was them. your
2: daughter would you let her have an abortion if an illegal immigrant had raped her and impregnated her? it,
0: it appears I, I can't answer that uh I, I would why not be, well because i don't know i, I don't know it's, it's just you have to be faced with really? that really because
2: yeah. i know immediately i have, I have a 10 year old daughter i know yeah. immediately. The answer well, is absolutely I would. I would do whatever I could for It's daughter. a
0: very tough decision, Piers. No is question. it that tough? I, of course it
2: Ten-year-old is. A 10-year-old girl raped by an illegal immigrant and you make her carry the baby? Uh,
0: uh, but it's... No, it's the decision between the parents and uh, right. this girl and this family. But you
2: don't know what you would do?
0: What I'm saying is the, the, is the decision of the parents in oh, the kinds But if kinds it was you,
2: you're saying uh, you don't know what you'd do?
0: Well, I, I have... I mean, I would be torn, to be honest with you. Pierce. What do you think you'd do? I, I'd be, I don't know until I was faced with that, but I would well, be I'm, torn. I'm
2: putting you in a hypothetical. We know this has just happened. So. This has
0: happened to this young girl, and it's, it's, it's sad that it has happened, and my prayers are with her and uh, her family at this time.
2: Talking of prayer, what is going on with religion around the world? Why is it going slowly out of fashion?
0: Well, it's not a question of being fashion, uh, Pierce, and, and it's not a question of whether you believe in God or not. The question is, do you have a relationship with God's son, Jesus Christ? And Jesus Christ came to this earth to die for our sins. And he took our sins to the cross, and he shed his blood on a cross for our sins. And it's up to us to uh, turn from our sins and accept Jesus Christ by faith. And if we're willing to do that, God will forgive us, and He will extend to us one an opportunity. One of the issues
2: I think is this: you're a very influential man mm-hmm. in the Christian world, but you know that you've got into a lot of hot water over comments you've made. For example, about homosexuality, right, which you believe is a sin, right?
0: Well, it's what God says. What, what do you believe? Well, that's what the Bible teaches. Well,
2: the Bible says all sorts of things, which we don't do now.
0: No, I believe the Bible from cover to cover appears. I don't well, understand all it all, but I believe it? it. The
2: Bible has stuff in it which would, would be absurd today.
0: No, I'm sorry. I believe the Bible to be the word of God. So we no. should
2: still be stoning people in the street?
0: Uh, I'm saying I believe the, the, the Bible cover to cover. And in the Old Testament... So well, I just
2: said, in there, they talk you know, about uh, stoning in, in, people to death in the street. Would you do that?
0: In, in the Old Testament, they did. But but when, would,
2: you, would you allow right, adulterers to be stoned straight to death?
0: Jesus straightened that up. And uh, when they brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and they brought her before Jesus to stone them. And he wrote in the sand, we don't know what he wrote, but I think he wrote the sins of all those that were wanting to stone her. I think he wrote those on the ground. And they slowly disappeared. And finally they were all gone. And Jesus asked, where are your accusers? Mm. And she said, Lord, I have none. Then he told her, go and sin no more. And that's the way Jesus dealt with it. You,
2: your tour is called God Loves You. Yes. Why do you think it's Christian to stigmatise gay people?
0: Well, I don't stigmatise them. But
2: you say that they're sinners.
0: Well, we're all sinners, you right. and me. But
2: you know that those comments have gone down very badly. You've had well, tour dates before have had sure. to be cancelled because of protests and so on. I believe in free speech. You're perfectly entitled yeah. to your views. And I understand they're driven by religious conviction. But are your views about homosexuals, are they changing at all?
0: No, I mean, the, the fact is God loves homosexual people. He loves all of us. But if we come to God, we have to repent. Do
2: you, do you love homosexual people? Sure. If
0: and do. I, I love them enough to want to warn them and tell them the Why truth. Why are
2: they more sinful than you?
0: They're not more sinful.
2: Well about their sexuality?
0: What I'm saying, they're not more sinful than me or you. The point is, all of us are born into sin, Piers. Mm. You were born as a, into sin. Your mother, when she brought you into this world, uh, she brought you in a sinful world. Mm. And Christ came to take our sins, and he died on that cross for our sins. And for us to, to be forgiven, we have to come to God straight, and turn straight, from a, our But a, a
2: man like me, having sex with my wife and we're both straight people, that is not sinful, right?
0: No, God designed marriage right. between a man a woman. But if I
2: was gay and having sex with a man you would think that's sinful?
0: It's not that I would think that. It's, it's that's what God calls no, I understand, it. but that's what you think. No, it's what God teaches. Do you believe it? Uh, it's what the Bible teaches.
2: Right, so here's my problem. This is why I think religion is going a bit out of fashion with younger people, is that they see someone like you, hugely influential, and they think, well, hang on a sec, who's he, no. actually, to say that gay people are sinners and straight people are not?
0: No, it's not straight people aren't sinners. Straight people are sinners. About
2: their sexuality and who they choose to have sex with. They're,
0: they're still sinners. Yeah, and straight,
2: I'm not sinning if I'm having sex with my wife, no, right?
0: No, but you're sinning. But if every... a gay
2: man's having sex with his with his gay husband, this, this... which you don't believe in either, right? <laughs> yeah, but this is you know yeah. that you've got into big trouble over this.
0: No, peers, I, I don't believe I'm in trouble over it. Well, you have been. You've they... had
2: you've had all dates cancelled. I'm giving you the opportunity to try and explain why a God loves you, tall yeah. can't extend to loving. GAY PEOPLE'S I, RIGHT I, I would, TO LOVE EACH OTHER AND TO HAVE SEX WITH EACH OTHER IF THEY, if because they SO CHOOSE. God,
0: GOD MADE US MALE AND FEMALE AND he, HE DESIGNED SEX BETWEEN, TO BE BETWEEN A MAN AND A WOMAN and, AND NOT BETWEEN TWO WOMEN AND NOT TWO MEN. THAT'S THE WAY GOD MADE US AND CREATED US AND IT'S JUST THE WAY IT IS.
2: WHAT IF, WHAT IF THEY'RE GAY AND THEY FEEL THAT THEY WANT TO HAVE SEX WITH PEOPLE LIKE THEM?
0: WELL, IT'S, I'M JUST SAYING, it's THE BIBLE CALLS IT SIN. And I have care enough about... You can't about keep
2: by the Bible. It's you as well call it sin, right? Yeah. Well, My point we'll... is, I know lots of gay people who are far less sinful in my estimation than no. lots of straight people I know. Sure. And I don't understand why I should be free and you should be free to have sex with who we like, but gay people can't.
0: No, you don't have sex with whoever you like. It's between a marriage relationship uh, between a man and a woman, and that's the way God designed it.
2: Do you understand why gay people and people who have no issue with gay people feel so strongly about the comments you've said?
0: Well, first of all, I, I don't hate gay people and I don't preach against gay people, and I don't go demonstrate against gay people. You'll never see where I've said anything bad about the gay people. I just Well, you believe... just have.
2: You just don't realise yeah. it. No,
0: I, I believe... you just said Bible... it's
2: fine for, for straight people, to have sex with each other.
0: But can I not have the views that I believe God wants us to You're entitled to
2: your view? No, frankly, you are entitled to your view. And 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 I'm entitled to say that I think one of the reasons religion is becoming less popular is because people look at senior Christian figures like you and think, well, that doesn't sound very Christian to me. That sounds to me like somebody who is
0: homophobic. But the churches in this this country, in the UK, Mm. that are growing and that are expanding are churches that teach the Bible, Those are the churches that are growing. The churches that have turned their back on the Scripture, that have compromised the truth of the Scripture, those churches are dying.
2: I think, Franklin, you should just think about this a bit more. Times are changing. People are changing. God doesn't change. Gay people no longer have to hide. God doesn't
0: change. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. Actually,
2: we've moved on so much from a large swathes of the Bible. We have. You know it and I have it. But good to see you.
0: Good to see you, Peter. Thank you, Franklin.
2: Well, some sad news now, some breaking news. Uh, Ivana Trump... Donald Trump's first wife has died. The family have just reported to the media. Uh, Knew Ivana well. She was a fantastically entertaining character. Always good fun to be around. Interviewed her several times. uh, And very sad news uh, for the Trump family. Uh, She had, of course, I think three children with Donald. And um, there are statements coming out which will be... I've got a a statement, in fact, here from Donald Trump himself. He said, I'm very saddened to inform all of those that loved her, of which there are many, that Ivana has passed away at her home in New York City. She was a wonderful, wonderful, beautiful and amazing woman who led a great and inspirational life. Her pride and joy were her three children, Donald Jr., Ivanka and Eric. She was so proud of them, as we all were, so proud of her. Rest in peace, Ivana. Sad news. Ivana Trump has died at the age of 73. Well on next tonight's Pierce Pack, Ava Santina, Isabel Oakshot and Douglas Murray. If that doesn't keep you watching, nothing will. Probably the greatest pack ever assembled. Welcome back. Tonight's uh, Piers back. And with me, journalist Ava Antina, Talk TV's international editor Isabel Oshott, and the author Douglas Morrow. Welcome to all of you. Uh, Douglas, let me start with you, if I may. Your thoughts on Franklin Graham and what he was saying there.
6: Uh, Well, I thought it was interesting, Piers. I'm glad you asked him about that. I'm like you on this. I'm all for people's free speech. You know, I happen to be gay myself. But I'm very, very comfortable with Franklin Graham being able to say whatever he wants to whoever he wants. Personally, I don't find any of it a threat. I don't find it offensive. I think that there is, frankly, a large amount of the uh, so-called gay community, which isn't actually a community, of course, just lots of different people who happen to have uh, one thing in common. There are a lot of people in the so-called gay community who are very, very intolerant in this era, who asked for tolerance when there was much intolerance against us. And now that that intolerance has largely gone away, and not being very tolerant in return. So, in a way, I'm a bit of an, of an anomaly on this, but, you know, I always like to practice the old boot-on-the-other-foot thing. Yeah. You know, if people were allowed to do one thing one way round, then we should accept it the other way, and I'm very accepting I completely. like Franklin yeah. Graham can preach whatever he likes. It doesn't
2: hurt, hurt or harm me. I, I completely concur. Uh, Isabel, the leadership race... Is hotting up. Is your enthusiasm for any of it hotting up? Do you actually want any of these people no, to be your Prime Minister?
7: I don't. This is what's so disappointing. I think the remarkable thing about this is how underwhelming they mm. all are, actually. I mean, Rishi Sunak, I was a big fan before the whole non-DOM revelation about mm. his wife. I thought that was the most extraordinarily naive thing to have done, to have allowed happen. I think he's completely tainted, I'm afraid, by his long uh, service with Boris Johnson and presiding over historic taxes, and I think he's going to have a real problem convincing the Tory party membership. Mm. He's suddenly gone from being written off about a month ago because of the non-Doc issue... To Red Hot Favourite, to red now hot we're favourite not quite sure. ..to now I just don't think he's going to convince the, uh, the members.
2: Ava, who... I mean, you know, you're know, you obviously from the other side on all this, but who of them has most impressed you as a politician?
3: Penny. Definitely. She's come out of total obscurity. She was very right impressive to yesterday, I thought. Yeah, she was. And she's she's great, she's She, she's really, you know, engaging, she's interesting, and she doesn't have that awful continuity candidate mm. reek about her that the other two do, which Liz Truss and Rishi will both be if they're in the final.
7: I mean, the thing about Penny is she's a really good communicator, mm. and that is Liz Truss's absolute Achilles heel. Yes, I agree. She's really wooden. I listened, I don't know whether you did, I listened to her um, launch and Mm. it was just so flat and I found myself zoning out. You know, I was actually trying to pick up something from this and it was just a long sort of manifesto. I don't think people vote uh, on the basis of a, a detailed manifesto. They vote on a feeling. But
2: they actually vote um, for, I mean, I, I've always personally voted for people over parties. Yes. If I get um, enthused by a politician yes. I like the cut of their she's, jib, she's just not I tend exciting. to be drawn to them. Let's just move quickly to something quite interesting in the papers today, which I think I hit a real nerve with a lot of people Bob Dylan. Has decided to ban all camera phones from his concerts because he's fed up with looking out, singing, blowing in the wind, and seeing oh, 50,000 phones go up rather than people enjoying the music. No. Ava, what do you think of that?
3: Do you think he's just getting to the age where he's moaning?
2: Maybe. Maybe he doesn't want to have all those dodgy. Look at my team here, it's absolutely ridiculous. Look at them all. But they do this every night. They're little, they're sort of fanboys and fangirls. Um, do you do it? Do you go to concerts and video everything?
3: No, I don't, but then I also probably wouldn't go to a Bob Dylan concert.
2: You see, I did do this. I went to the, the Cricket World Cup final uh, three years ago, today, actually, and at the crucial final moment, the final ball, I pulled out my phone and I took a video because it was, it was this. Have we got it?
7: Mm-hmm.
2: Have we got it? Oh. Not sure we do. I'm sure it's coming. It's <laughs> not like we're running out of time.
7: Yeah. No, we'll have to talk about something else.
2: Douglas Murray, I don't know if you're a cricket fan, but are you the kind of guy that does that kind of thing? Do you think Bob Dylan's onto something here? Should we ban phones? Because I look at that at least once a week, that clip. Look,
6: I, uh, I think this is another reason to love Bob Dylan. I'm so on his side on this. First of all, it's very distracting for the performance. But secondly, look... You're going to take most of the time... I'm not criticising your own fair uh, handiwork and camera work there, Piers. But uh, most of the time, if you're standing in a concert and you've got your arm up and your mobile phone out, you're going to be taking the worst video of the night. Uh, Most, (laughs) But it's raw and unvarnished.
2: You know what, Douglas? It's my video.
6: I know, but it's not as if Bob Dylan... If you want to see videos of him, there are quite a few of them available, really well <laughs>
2: shot. So even yeah, there, there are lots of there are lots of World Cup final it, videos, but nothing as raw or as exciting as mine.
6: Well, I get I've quite okay. Yours is the best video in the world, Peter. Now before, I'll we finish, but before we finish, before I video, want to just show, show this to is,
2: the to the ladies here. These are TikToks about siren eyes. Can you show me this? One? Siren eyes. <laughs>
1: mind see make million a week foul shows made three million a week you announce
2: you think the sarenizer as alluring as they claim it as it can you do it
7: um. Uh, you see, see, when I read about it, it seemed to be more about the mouth than the sirenise. eyes. I'm not giving you any sirenize hey, right. Who knows yes, what we're talking about? so hyper-sexualised as that. <laughs> Can
2: you do it? That's quite
7: or? vulgar. No, not on cue. <laughs> I wouldn't just uh, <laughs> you work.
2: with it. eyes don't work. I'm sorry, we ran out of time, but a lot on tonight. Uh, good to see the pack tonight, I appreciate it. That's it for me. Whatever you're up to, make sure you keep it uncensored. Good night, high fans.